Filmmaker Commentary, episode 78. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we give you insights from our favorite filmmaking commentaries. These commentaries can be heard on your DVD and Blu-rays of your favorite movies. We'll show you how you can use these commentaries and apply them to improve your video production and filmmaking techniques. All of this here on Filmmaker Commentary. I'm your host, Reginald Titus Jr. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with... Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. So good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about The Thing, released in June 25th, 1982, directed by John Carpenter, screenplay by Bill Lancaster, story by John W. Campbell Jr., based on his short story, right? Yes. Music composed and conducted by Ennio Morrisoni. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Or Morrisoni. We had a budget of $10 million. And a box office of 19.6 million domestically, which we didn't have any international numbers, so it's a worldwide of 19.6 million. They made their money back. Yeah, just uh, yeah, yeah. They they did make their money back. It's always fascinating with with horror, kind of where things are going to uh, where things are going to fall. Right. Then we got to keep in mind it's 1982, um, but this, according to what they were saying, is that this film would had its cult audience. Home entertainment, basically. Yeah, it really kind of caught uh, caught fire then once it mm-hmm. came to the to that to the home market. Again, I I'd heard about this for years and years and years. I kept hearing about it until finally I hungered down and saw it. Yeah. Before we dive further into the thing, let's talk about news and movies watched. All right, so according to Variety, Viacom and CBS are set to merge earlier than expected, possibly as soon as December. Uh, according to the article, CBS and Viacom are, are planning that merge uh, earlier, and it says the two media companies uh, said actually on Monday, October the 28th, uh, that they're setting things in motion, and the last steps are um, almost done as far as their uh, consolidation between these two traditional media sectors. Um, the company will be known as Viacom CBS once the deal is complete, and that the um, that Sherry Redstone, the daughter of the media entrepreneur Sumner Redstone, will oversee the businesses uh, for the national amusements. But the day-to-day leadership will be put into the hands of Bob Bakash or Bakish, uh, the Viacom CEO, and Joe Ianelio. Uh, the CBS CEO is set to manage the majority of the CBS assets. The company had previously indicated that the merger would be completed before the end of 2019. And it looks like they're holding true to that. What does this mean? Just more more big media. Mo money, mergers. mo money, mo money. Yeah, the competition is, uh, is a dwindling. True. True. So it's fascinating to see. Uh, also, uh, Joker this the, over the weekend, actually even maybe like before the weekend, yeah. uh, officially became the highest grossing R-rated film of all time, surpassing Deadpool, which is quite a feat. Wow. Did not did not see that coming. Uh, and again, especially considering the the budget that uh, Joker was made for, uh, it is really. Making a killing. How much was the budget for on that one? Uh, looks like the budget was fifty-five million. Okay. And um, yeah, right now it's at a worldwide gross of eight hundred and fifty-two million. Not bad. Not a bad return on investment. That director mm-hmm. can get anything he wants. Pretty much, yeah. That's quite a <laughs> quite an impressive feat. Also, in news 
Felicity. She served her time. <laughs> was recently released. Mm. Uh, what's Felicity's last name? Huffman. Huffman, who is famous, well, was already famous, but now infamous from the hmm. college scandal, a.k.a. Varsity Blues. So she served her 14 days, and now she is free. Free as a bird. <laughs> Did she have to pay a fine? I, I believe so. I think there was a, you know what? I don't know. I know that she's on probation. And I was like, but he's what like, is that? What does that mean? For she can't leave the country. This or? is, I don't know. That means no parking tickets, traffic tickets. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. For our listeners, uh, I am rolling my eyes. Yes, <laughs> rolling my eyes right now. I don't know. What Shrugging that means. shoulders. I think she's in trouble. I don't know. But we're yeah, we're, it's uncertain. Uh, I'm sorry, officer. I didn't know I couldn't do that. <laughs> Well, you just make sure you don't do that again. That was amazing. <laughs> On the flip side, Lori Lachlan is just, they say in, in the article that she is like basically tone deaf. <laughs> she's like more charges have been, have been put onto her because they, she's been had like ample opportunities to take some of these deals, but she's like, nope, nope. She's still fighting it. But with the federal, because it's a federal case, I think the statistic is 80% of the people that go against uh, fights the government, they 80% of the time lose. Mm. It's not looking good for her. And the more that she does this, like the more charges are going to be put on top of her. And keep, and keep in mind, uh, Rick Singer, right? Mm-hmm. He's the guy that basically snitched on everybody. He's the one oh, who's yeah. been recording people and all that. So all that stuff is going to come out in court. All the... <laughs> After you had mentioned you mentioned uh, Gangster Capital a couple of episodes back, yeah, and I went and checked it out, and man, I got hooked. I yeah. listened to all seven episodes of their first season yes. dealing with this college scandal. Super insightful. They they tackle so many angles of it, and they dramatize uh, a lot of the conversations mm-hmm. that that singer had with people. And he's got he's got plenty on Lori and on uh, Massimo, her husband. Yeah, Mosimo. I think now that I think about it, I think I had like some of his shirts. Some of his shirts back in the day, yeah. So he's he, man, they have them dead the rights. And the way that he would do it is that he would literally, you know, front like he was being audited and say, yeah. "Hey, look, don't worry, I won't tell them about our deal to put your kids into college and lie about blah blah blah." He was literally laying it out to have them literally confess that. Oh yeah, yeah they're, they're like, "Oh yeah, great." You know, well, I'm glad you're not going to say anything about that. That yeah, it makes total sense. He said, "I just want to make sure we're on the same page, totally on the same page." You know. And just entrapping them uh, so That's easily. Bad. That's bad. So, um, if I'm gonna insert uh, a, a clip from Gangster, it, actually, I had the name wrong. It's Gangster Capitalism. Capitalism. That's right. It is Gangster Capitalism. Uh, so we'll play a quick clip of Rick Singer snitching on people. <laughs> okay. So here's the deal. Okay. So Nikki is willing to do it. We are trying to get ourselves like 34 on the ACT. Yeah, yeah. It should be noted that a 36 is a perfect score. So Mark Rydell will do that. It's really, it could be a 33, it could be a 34, it could be a 35. Right. But so anyways, so the she said she would do it. She would send us a copy of the test that we're going to take. Okay. And then even though we're already going to send in his test, there at least your son will have taken the same test. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so your donation is going to be fifty. It'll it'll end up being through our foundation. Okay. And I'm already sending a check to the proctor today and to Nikki today because she said I got to have the money first. Okay. Getting people caught up. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, uh, that that was horrible to witness and like. I wanted to like know that, like, see their faces while he's doing this on the phone. Like, is this dude like doing this on the phone? Like, what? Okay, if he's so, I don't know, man. But it it was was bad. It was very interesting though. See that kind of get a kind of a crack, a peek into that world a little bit at that at that level, you know? Yeah. Um. Wow. I again, I work in education. Yeah. I work in college admissions. Yeah. And with the pressure that these people are putting their kids under that they put themselves under yeah we're where i work ain't ain't that ain't that at that level yeah it's nowhere near that it's uh it's it is crazy when you hear what people are doing the pressure they're putting on their kids with the act and sat and uh, anyway that's a whole nother tangent but yeah if you dug that podcast there's another podcast um that has kind of like the same kind of reporting style but even a little bit more entertaining um it's called reply all by Gimlet Media, Gimlet Media, Reply All. Reply All, okay. Yeah. Pretty interesting stories. And they put the extra production into it to do a little narration and then recording the people and then narrating the story for you as well with a little bit of journalism. So, yeah, that's it for the Varsity Blues. Um, any movies, TV shows, or media watched recently? Yes, yes, yes. So, um, I watched... Zombieland Double Tap. Whoa, how was that? Hilarious. Really? I didn't see the first one. The first one was pretty funny. Okay. Uh, it's been a while. I've only watched it once, but mm-hmm. I remember I, I'd put it off for a while when I finally saw it. I was like, ah, it actually was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. The sequel had me rolling. It was it okay. was, it was was a riot. There's this one character. She's in the trailers, and she just steals the show, man. Every wow. scene she is in, man. Yeah, just I had had me dying laughing. So really enjoyed it. Yeah, Zombieland Double Tap. You're looking for a laugh. If you're having a bad day. If you're having a good day, check it out. It's, okay. it's 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 worth it's worth seeing. Send the check, Zombieland. Thank you. Bam. Also on Netflix. Okay. The return of Eddie Murphy. Yes. In Dolomite <laughs> is my name. Yeah. Wow. Really. Yes. Okay. Quality. Just solid film all the way through. Okay. Um, Craig Brewer directed it. Craig Brewer uh, did uh, Hustle and Flow. He did his thing. And he's a, a white guy. Still did his thing. He's, you know, Memphis, Tennessee. Got some flavor in his in his background. He has a very interesting background. But he's going to be doing uh, Coming to America, too. That's what I've heard, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm somebody, was, uh, I was listening to a review of it today, and they, and they, they mentioned him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they talked about that. It made them even more excited the fact that he is, uh, because the performance he gets out of Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, man, this is some of his best acting, like yeah. since like Dreamgirls. Wow. Uh, yeah, solid performance, man. Solid performances all the way around. It's, it's, it's funny and it's heartfelt. It's just, yeah, man. It's a solid film, man. It's. I'm, good. I'm a fan of Craig Brewer. He he can tap into like your humanities. I don't know how he does it with like some of the, the silliest kind of like worst characters. He figures out how to. You know, make them human. Some black snake moan. <laughs> he did that one too. Man, he is solid, man. Yeah. He's gonna like the way you're treating the brothers. You know, you know. Man, <laughs> I say what, this, it, it reminds me, after watching it, it reminds me of Mario Van Peebles. Ah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So as I, was, I was like, yo, this is reminding me of, 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 of something else I couldn't think of at the time, but then it came to me uh, today and I was like, Man, once you see it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But okay. even just the whole pushing to try and make this film, and mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but 
it's it's solid and just and just but just executed better. Yeah. You know, just better production value. A little bit better budget, not a yeah. Showtime budget. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely worth checking out, man. I'm thinking, I'm even talking about now. I'm like, damn, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind watching it again. When I started seeing like on YouTube, because I play YouTube in the background, I'm like doing my editing and stuff like that, waiting for things to render. Um, when I start seeing it pop up more, like people doing more press, I'm like, okay, it must be getting real hot. Because mm-hmm. they were loading up on a lot of press leading up to the release, oh, yeah. and then now it's even, I guess, is getting some good reactions from people. So like showing up everywhere. That's good. I'm yeah. glad he came back and. Because he was gone for a minute. He was making stuff still, but there's nothing that was, like, hidden. No, yeah, you're right. He did make some stuff here and there. Yeah. He was making, like, things, but it's, like... like he had that one movie that came out a couple of years ago, Mr. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> something, Mr. <laughs> Shepard, Mr. Yeah. And, 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 Mr. No. Yeah, and the, 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 the trailers look... It looked like a, like a, like a you know, powerful... Church. It was a Mr. Church. Yeah, I think so. It looked mm-hmm. like a powerful performance and grounded and rooted. Dramatic. But I, I never went and saw it. I was yeah. like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, Eddie. he did a lot of family friendly stuff. Basically, yeah. he went that right. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost everything was like super family friendly. And uh, Dolomite is not. My name is Dolomite. <laughs> is not family, family friendly. friendly. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, doesn't too too crazy. But there, you know, there's some nudity here and there. And there's there's definitely plenty of, of, of language. If you that's gotta a, have nudity with Dolomite. Yeah, I'm still trying to again assim- similarly. You know, like like just like it was tough to watch sweet Sweetback's badass mm-hmm. song. Yeah. You know, I started watching Dolomite on uh, Amazon Prime. Oh God! And I haven't uh, haven't finished it yet. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like, do, do I have to? Do I have to watch this with the bad karate kicks? Like the oh, like some of the kung fu was horrible back in the they, some of the black exploitation films. They sped it up. You know, they they <laughs> they actually sped up his movements to. Yeah. Oh man, I, you look at some of the old stuff like they don't know a lick. Of martial arts, and I was very, you know, critical of that. Back sure, in the day. yeah. I was like I'm not watching this. <laughs> oh man! So there's a couple things. I, I got a few more. But what, what else have you seen? Um, I haven't seen. I haven't seen anything new. Um, I've been busy. But what I did, so as far as just media, um, as of you know the time of this recording, uh, Kanye West has been making the news. Uh, he just recently released a gospel album last Friday. I went on. I'm, I have a subscription to Title, so I was like, let me check this out. Sure, it's jamming. It's pretty good. It feels good to listen to like good gospel and a little bit of hip hop in there. Okay, and not being cussed out. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like oh, it's feel good. I can actually. There's like good messaging in it. It's like a surprise. I could play it. I could play it around the house and not worry about nothing. This is great. You never know what you're gonna get with Kanye. Yeah, you're gonna get different. That's what you're gonna get. And creative. He's he's literally a creative genius. I, I would never question that. I would never question his creative genius. He 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 is someone who knows how to reinvent himself. Yeah. Um. So yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because you bring up it, his so yeah so yeah you know, it's funny that you bring up his his album because I literally heard about it today yeah but it was because I was on YouTube and uh, SNL over the weekend mm-hmm. you know I, I, I like to watch the highlights of the weekend update yeah. on YouTube and literally they they, <laughs> they talked about that mm-hmm. and, and Michael Michael Chegg kind of like uh, I don't know he decided he he was just joking about it he was like he was like he goes you know he goes I was. You know, concerned about Kanye. He goes, he goes, I, I, he goes, I, I, he's like, I, I was, I'm worried that he's. First, I, I was, I was worried about him as a, you know, as a, you know, a, a, a black man. You know, like he used to be like, yeah. you know, the coolest, the coolest, you know, right. brother, and everything was hot. He goes, he goes, now I, I think he's like just like turning into a, a old, old white woman. 
like, you know, he's, that's not right. You know, he's like listening to gospel and trying to convince people to support. But he's always had gospel influences and, in his no tracks. doubt. Yeah, always. Yeah, and of course you got you know Jesus walks and. Yeah, I mean, because they tried to, when Jesus Walks came out, they tried to claim him then, like, he's a gospel artist. Like, wait, have y'all heard the album? He yeah. is not. Yeah. Yeah, so he's always had his toe in there. But but it's the things that he says, man, that it, yeah, he, just throws, he just throws me off. I've heard, like, things at his concerts that Bipolar, are. Dude. But even Mental yeah. health is a real thing. I have no, no <laughs> doubt. Like, there, there is a, is a, is a mix where almost like, yeah. you know, Gemini, to, him, to himself as, as, as Jesus and yeah. like, uh, okay. I keep my eye on him. Don't you worry. Yeah. Like, uh, not going to trick me, Kanye. I got no. my eye on you. Yeah. It is just fascinating with, with different artists, especially when they, you know, they'll kind of, you know, vacillate back and forth and mm-hmm. some are, I guess with them, you know, some are more extreme than others. You know what I mean? Like, you know, R. Kelly would kind of, you know, vacillate back and forth. Did he? Yeah. R. Kelly had multiple songs. One of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, I believe I can fly. That straight gospel influence and tone all the way through. I see what you mean, but. You know, I used to think I could not go on, you know, and life doesn't matter so long, but now I know the meaning of true love. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Yeah. But uh, he has one song called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. It's on the R double CD track. Uh, Hot album. Just saying, yeah, man. But uh, yeah, he's been canceled in my world. <laughs> <laughs> I canceled this dude back in two thousand and four, three, two or three. Whenever well, the this album stuff. was like high school for me, so it was like like mid, yeah. mid night, mid, 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 yeah, late nineties, late nineties. I didn't have to see the documentary to cancel. Yeah, but that song, man, <laughs> it's straight gospel song. It's about you know him, you know, meeting Jesus. You know, really, the whole album was no, just that. Just oh, that, that one track. song. But yeah, because from what I remember, I thought that was. That that album was jamming though. It was because right after that he has that song with with crucial conflict. So he goes from this song, you know, you know, at the, the very couple last couple lines, you know, that it was your grace that set me free. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And then next you got you know this this song, you know, howling and all this kind of stuff. And, it, and it's and he's I think it opens up crucial conflict. Oh yeah. And play and you know and it's a song called Ghetto Queen. You know, yes, and, I remember. And uh, you know there's sounds of of. Things being smacked, you know, and saying, "Who's is this? Who's is this?" Oh yes, I remember. So there's a there's a lot of you know. Yes, you're talking like debaucherous memory. Yes, there's a lot of back and forth in the world of R. Kelly. <laughs> Take that as you may. <laughs> so, uh, but then he had he had a song, man. It's a party, y'all. <laughs> Keep Murray. Oh man, but yeah, there there always would be some gospel influence with, 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 with Mr. Uh, Mr. Creative Kelly. genius who is in jail. People say sometimes, sometimes like those who are in that kind of like upper, like they they have that 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 special gifting, yeah, to be genius in certain areas or just like amazing in certain areas that they at times at times may lack other areas that can lead to big downfalls potentially. It's his background is pretty bad. Yeah, he's. It, it was going to lead to somewhere crazy. Mm. All right, so you you listened to Kanye's yeah. new gospel Thanks, album, Kanye. Two right. people from the shy. <laughs> yeah. well, okay, good point. Good point. Uh, both great. Uh, Go ahead. So I, I also uh, <laughs> speaking of crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, last night I watched on HBO a movie called Greta, hmm. which I remember seeing the trailers for back in the Greta. I guess maybe heck maybe back during the summer, but it's a movie with uh, Chloe Moritz Grace. Um, who I hadn't seen for a while, who had 
couple of years ago, since he was kind of stepping away um, from acting, and she actually came back into the mix. But uh, the trailers basically show that you know she befriends an older woman and finds out that this woman is uh, not who she says she is, and and the woman begins to stalk her. Yeah, it was it was you know they pretty much gave away the movie in the trailer. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it was one of those things, and it. And it played out as 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 such but um Chloe Munch, I mean she's really grown as a I mean as, as a woman but also as, a, as an actress I always think she gives good performances okay um so uh yeah it was it was it was a serviceable film and you got those moments of tension where you're like no don't do that you know <laughs> and you know this this the woman who plays Greta uh she does a pretty stellar job because like she seems just hapless you know but man she's she's ruthless <laughs> She's ruthless and she's cunning and, and yeah, so that 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 was uh, entertaining. Um, what genre is this? It's a thriller. Okay. Yeah, Bo- borderline horror, but it's more so a, a thriller. Okay. Suspense thriller. And then lastly, I, I watched the first episode of the Watchmen series on HBO. Is that any good? I, like when I was looking at the trailers, I was like, this might be good, but I'm gonna have to wait to hear what people say. So the trailers didn't do it for me and it wasn't until i heard somebody give a review of the first episode and they cover a major event in american history that happened in oklahoma many years ago did it have to start with a yeah okay they actually cover that in the first episode and it's like what Mm -hmm. It, it, it was i was i was like flabbergasted that they um covered that and so that first episode, I was like, "Okay, yeah, I am, I am in," uh, okay. and it's not, it's not set in that time period, but it jumps ahead. But yeah, they, but they open with that, I'm and in how they're transitioning, and, and again, it's, it's uh, the director is uh, Damian Lillard, I think his name is. He all he he did the uh, the HBO hit uh, show the uh, the leftovers. Okay, and I finally got around to watching that last year sometime, and wow. Okay. That dude, man, the way his brain works, and this this mm-hmm. this show is very faithful to Alan Moore and David Gib- Gibbons' Watchmen graphic novel, mm-hmm. uh, the original graphic novel, a twelve part series that kind of revolutionized comics, and there are all kinds of just hints and clues. So if you've seen the movie, that that's that's helpful because yeah, actually that is helpful. It's I'm, I'm very surprised okay. with what they're how they're walking this balance of being different, but it takes place after the movie clearly uh, and, but it's clearly set in that world which is which that, is amazing that's good i actually like the tone of watchmen, watchmen. It just seemed a little long and uh yeah it's a it's a, it's a long i mean it was a it was a in comic books if you do like a mini series you might do a three or four part mini series yeah maybe a six part this was a 12 part it was a maxi series yeah. nothing like it had ever been done before so right. it's it's a lot of content and it's a standalone world yeah um like I like it. Standalone. Um, I probably should have seen what uh, I probably should have read the graphic novel before watching Watchmen. The movie. Yeah, that's what that's what I did. I eventually. Yeah, I probably yeah. I should have did that, and then um, yeah, when I watched the film, I was like, I like the tone, mm-hmm. but it's not. Yeah, I won't. I would. I wouldn't come back to it like that. Ah. Uh, but I definitely like the tone and how they executed it. But somebody revisiting that world and shooting in it, I would. I would be interested in that. I yeah. Would be. So that's why I was like, I'm intrigued by this. I'm gonna wait to hear what people have to say. Yeah, man. And the the first review got me into go and see it. Now, actually, I'm excited to watch the second episode. Okay. It, it airs on Sunday, so the second episode just dropped yesterday. So, so it's after the events of the graphic novel, right? 
actually, yeah, or or you could even say of the movie. Okay. Well, no, like no, it, of the graphic novel because the 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 movie ends slightly differently. Okay. Uh, than the graphic novel, so Which yeah. would change what these people do in this world. Yes. Okay. Because there's there's something that they do in the graphic novel. The way it ends mm-hmm. cinematically would have been very difficult to justify in a movie. So they made a slight change, but it but it's but it's it's the the movie. The movie was so, for the most part, faithful to the graphic novel. There are even some stylistic things that you see that uh, Snyder used are in this. It's ah, yeah, man. I was I was very impressed because Watchmen is one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. of all time. Like wow. I I love wow I love Watchmen. I've got wow yeah. <laughs> I I have a, a collector's edition set. Um, yeah, with the with the with the Blu-ray, I, that, that I have the extended cut that has the the eight-hour cut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Which I watched, I was like, oh god, now that was too much. Yeah, like watching that all together with the with the Don Treader like cut in between, just like the graphic novel. Holy smokes, that was that was a little too much. I'll, I'll admit. Yeah, <laughs> like hmm, okay, I may have crossed. There's a line, and I I may have stepped over it. I yeah. may have, yeah, may have stepped over it. But um, but yeah, there's multiple ways to consume it, man. I've, I've read the graphic novel. I've watched the there's like an animated comic version of it yeah. where there's one guy kind of narrating everything that that's actually the first way I consumed it was through mm-hmm. that and then I actually bought the graphic novel and read it I was like oh man this was and I got the ending I was like holy crap this was yeah and just reading through it Dave Gibbons the artist behind it the way he sets those panels up man you gotta constantly watch mm-hmm. because there's stuff just being set up in the back of one. I like you, the color scheme in the graphic novel as well. Oh yeah, they use crazy. And like, only muted. Only read like the first thirty pages, twenty pages, something like that. I gotta get back to it. Yeah, it's pretty thick, pretty, pretty <laughs> thick. But uh, any rate, anything else? No, that's, that's good. Uh, okay, it's you know, been plenty. That's that's plenty. <laughs> y'all let us know what y'all think, and you know, hit us up on Facebook and say, hey, watch this. Give us some suggestions, or Please. let us know what you've been watching. Please do. Please do. Now let's get back to the show. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Filmmaker Commentary, and we're talking about The Thing. <laughs> With attitude. <laughs> Released in 1982, directed by John Carpenter. Now let's get into the synopsis. In remote Antarctica, a group of American research scientists are disturbed at their base camp by a helicopter shooting at a sled dog. When they take in the dog, it brutally attacks both human beings and canines in the camp and they discover that the beast can't assume the shapes of its victims. A resourceful helicopter pilot and the camp doctor lead the camp crew in a desperate, gory battle against the vicious creature before it picks them all off one by one. The thing. And if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. You've been forewarned. How did you watch this movie, and did you like it? I first watched this, I believe, on on HBO, uh, maybe like okay. two years ago or so. Okay. It was it was a it was a long time till I finally mm-hmm. got around to it. It kept popping up, people were talking about it, saying how good it was. And I was like, oh, okay, let me let me find it. And I was waiting for it to pop up somewhere streaming. Yeah, and finally when it did, I was like, yeah, boom, hit play, watched it, and I was like, whoa, I was I was shocked um, by the practical effects. Uh, I was like, "Dang, it's it, it's it's gory in its in its own right." Yeah, but um, but I enjoyed. There, there was this level of, of tension that mm-hmm. was there, uh, not knowing who you could trust, and uh, yeah, I I I enjoyed it. 
Uh, this is my first time watching it. The, I've been knowing about the film, but it, you know, this came out in the eighties, early eighties, early. I was a baby, <laughs> <laughs> but I never was moved to watch the film. You know, mm-hmm. I never really had a reason. I'm just like, boring title, uh, <laughs> not the most imaginative, cold bunch of dudes. Nah. Yeah. Nothing at all <laughs> tells me to watch this movie. Agreed. Even the key art. The key art is not. Yeah, it's like a not, shadow. At one, yeah, it's like a shadow guy. I'm boring. Meh. That's why people probably didn't come out to the theater. They had to watch it first. Then they're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally watching this film, I'm like, man, this is pretty good. It's disgusting. Yes. But yeah, it's. Uh, I enjoyed it watching this. Yeah. Really I'm glad. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. It was good. Well done. Uh, the transfer from the film to, to the Blu-ray, it, it looks good. Definitely. Definitely holds up. Well, I don't know if it holds up, but it looks good. Yes. Fair enough. <laughs> he was playing chess on the, on the first computer. <laughs> <laughs> was, throws his drink into it. I'm like, man, you're a sore loser. <laughs> there was a commentary with um, Kurt Russell and John Carpenter. And then there was a... There was there a couple were, of commentaries. There were two more commentaries. Ah, man. I, yeah. So I, I will be interested in listening to them, but I didn't listen to any of the other commentaries. I believe the other one was with uh, Dean Cudney. Uh, the DP. Cundy. Yeah, Cundy. Right? Yeah, the DP. So so the commentary, all in all, I think it was a, it was a pretty good commentary. Yeah, pretty good commentary. Um, a lot of special features on the Blu-ray. So. Yeah, this was a collector's edition. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I had to kind of scour for it to find to find the one with the commentary. Where'd you on find it, it at? Uh, I got I got it at Movie Trading Co. Okay, but that's after again after I done some research and I happened to call. I'm like, hey, do you guys have this? They said yes. I said, please hold. <laughs> the name is Casey, and uh, yeah, I went there and scooped that bad boy up, and I was like, Whoa. how much was it? Maybe twenty. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was. Be sure to get that back to you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But it was it's a, it's a tremendous value. It's it's this is one of those this is a Blu-ray with two discs. Yeah, you know that's it's a serious. lot of features when you get two Blu-rays. Uh, there's documentaries and just documentaries. Excuse me, yeah. multiple makings of the film, multiple commentary tracks. There's even a I think I think that one of a TV edit version of the film what? is on the second disc. Dang. Yeah, it's just it's it's pretty pretty insane. What did you think about the tone? It's a slow, kind of somber tone yeah. where you're constantly left. I mean, it, it feels like the setting, right? There's this isolation yeah. that is there. Uh, and though you're in this vast tundra of the Antarctic, mm-hmm. you you still feel confined in this little camp. And so once things go awry, you're like, what chance is there for escape? Yeah. You know? Uh, there's there's an there's an air of like almost like of hopelessness uh, mm-hmm. to a degree. Yeah, I agree. When it when the movie opens up, like we're I think we're seeing the perspective of the helicopter in Antarctica. Well, actually, it opens up with um, a spaceship <laughs> kind of floating towards Earth, and then I guess it's crash landing to Earth, and then the thing title the thing, and then we see Antarctica. You know, cut to Antarctic. Did they put a year? I'm not sure if they put the year there, but we know that we're in Antarctica. And then us being knowledgeable of Antarctica, that's far away, and it's extremely cold. 
That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. And then we see the helicopter kind of floating in. I, I think those guys were Norwegian, right? Um, they're that are in this helicopter following this dog. And this dog is like uh, just shaking this helicopter, putting moves <laughs> on, shooting at the dog, and the dog's just like, nah, nah, you ain't got me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they're in the middle, like, about from the perspective of the helicopter, you see how vast this is, and then there's just this, this little camp. So you're in Antarctica, you're not going to survive if anything goes wrong here. If your generator goes down, whatever, you're pretty much done for. Yeah, by the time. Anybody could get to you to help help you. I mean, you just assume that there may be some other bases around, but it's, it's far. And Antarctica is pretty big. Yeah. And yeah, no one's just going to stop by. Hey, how's it going? Um, but these Norwegian, uh, the helicopters, Norwegian drops out of the helicopter, shoots at this dog. Uh, I think his co-pilot like pulls out like grenades and is trying to blow up the dog and accidentally <laughs> blows up the helicopter and himself. That part makes me <laughs> laugh. I, I, I don't know. It just kills me every time, man. It's actually one of my favorite scenes. I'm just like, this is the way it's, I don't know what it makes shots. I was like, <laughs> so in this place, accidents can happen. So that sets the tone. It's like, it's comedic, but at the same time, it's like, whoa, oh, man, you have no flight you have no helicopter anymore yeah. yeah and it's and it's just through like i don't know it's just folly it's like oh man like and he's still trying to shoot this dog and he, in the midst of him trying to shoot this dog he's hitting people like he hit one of the guys by accident like bam but he doesn't care he's still trying to kill his dog then he himself gets shot in the face dies and so that's like letting you know like oh life can just you can die quickly here or, you know, what's going on? Are people losing the stakes, their mind? The stakes are high. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's survival. Like yeah. uh, from the jump, it's survival. Like it's survival and desperation. Like what would make these guys just burst into this place and pursue a dog with such fever that they would just throw caution to the wind that they're going to try to blow the dog up and maybe the people around it with a grenade. Like yeah. you just give zero anything <laughs> like <laughs> this dog has to die. You like the F's I give. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been flames with a helicopter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just man. It's high stakes, kind of from the jump, yeah. but also mysterious. Like what? What is going on? Mm-hmm. What did this dog do? And without much dialogue, if any at all, they tell you the whole story right then and there with this that special effect and this dude shooting at a dog and getting himself blown up and killed. <laughs> I, I just I just see the image of the thing slipping out of his hand. And then he goes diving for it. I'm like, oh, you dummy. What would you? Huh? Are you really going to? I mean, what are you going to do when you grab it? Are you going to put the pin back in? You oh, had no chance. That's true. You had zero chance. He wanted to save the helicopter. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> Sometimes there's no turning back. It was so cold. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Themes. I'm literally going to just quote what they said in the movie. Mm-hmm. Trust is a hard thing to come by. <laughs> that's good. And uh, that's said by Blair. Uh, Blair, he was a doctor trying to figure out. He was doing the autopsy on these animals that they discover in Antarctica. Or yes. These creatures, the thing creature that they find. Back at the base. That stuff was gross. When he's like doing, uh, when he's cutting into that stuff on the bottom, I'm like, <laughs> see, that part is not even too bad because we've seen this scene quite a bit. The thing that grosses me out is like the little tentacles coming out of the animal, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh. 
Don't eat any food when you watch this film. Yeah, it's, it is pretty. Uh, it's pretty juicy. Yeah. It's very juicy. <laughs> Trust is a hard thing to come by, and uh, I think John Carpenter says that in the commentary. And literally, your character. Sometimes your characters will tell you what the theme is. Sometimes early on, this is like midway. You know, when they lock up Blair and Kurt Russell's character, you know, says, you know, <laughs> it's hard to come by around here. Trust is a hard right, thing to come right, by. right. Because he said, oh, you know, you can always just trust in the Lord. Yeah, you know, kind of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Trust are a hard thing to come by. Yep. I had uh, themes. They also mentioned these in the commentary. Uh, isolation, mm-hmm. imitation, infiltration. Oh, how about that? The three eyes. Isolation, obviously, again, base, we kind of covered that already. Yep. Imitation, because this particular creature can, imu- can imitate anybody. And, it, and, and so much so that when it hides within a host's body, they don't know. That's the scary part, and that that definitely leads to the the sense of infiltration. That this thing has infiltrated the base. Nobody knows if they're infected. We still don't know. Even to the very end of the movie, we don't know one hundred percent whether or not uh, Kurt Russell's character as as McReady and uh, Keith David's character as Childs. We don't know if if they eventually were infected somehow, mm-hmm. um, or how easily it could happen. Uh, even though they do the you know the whole blood test thing and they they were clear then, but who knows, man? Who knows? Another theme is just it's like a metaphor. Uh, it's like a metaphor for at the time. This is in the eighties, so mm-hmm. they talk about how AIDS was AIDS, very prevalent. Yeah. Still is, but um, it was like one of those things. It was like a frenzy. Like what is this AIDS thing? So it's a metaphor between you know for the disease AIDS that anybody can be a carrier and you don't know if they have it or not. Yeah. And not sure, and not sure how it's contracted. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was new. To, it was new to them in the eighties. Here's another fascinating thought: is that also within this film, it was, it was also all men, you yep. know, who were there. Ah! And, at, and at the time, you know, age ah! was seen either as at, at least early on as as something that was just was just within the homosexual community. Wow. Obviously, eventually you find out. Obviously, that's that's not the case. You know. Mm. It, you know, amidst amidst all communities, and you know, through drugs as well. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, that was I, I just yeah. kind of just crossed my crossed just my mind. To it. John Carpenter, very smart, very smart John Carpenter. Yes, yes, yes. I saw a correlation between this film and Little Shop of Horrors. A little alien come from outer space, come in, infiltrate, try mm. to take over. And what made me think about it was the uh, the scene when the the dogs are like ripping apart and all that. And the big monster comes out of there, and it looks like a like that plant from Little Shop of Horrors for a second, and it opens oh, up. Oh man, I hadn't even, I hadn't drawn that correlation, huh? There, mm. and there was an alien, you know, that freaking plant, Little Shop of Horrors. That's a really good point. That was based on a short story as well, wasn't it? The Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, and eventually around the time. That, yeah, and so what's funny about the thing? This is a remake because John Carpenter talks about watching the original version of this Mm -hmm. uh, that was based off the short story but it didn't have the uh, what's the element that it didn't have I think the first one uh, they said the guy was like made out of cabbage or something like that (laughs) there was some major element that they had that that the original film didn't have that they wanted to make sure Mm -hmm. they brought back in it may have been the fact that it was just all men but but yeah they definitely made some uh, some key things some key differences It it may have been even the I can't think of I can't think of what it was, but they made changes. They made changes. Significant style. What do you think about the style of the film? 
it seems like there was a lot of like it was fairly desaturated in terms of like colors. Like there weren't like any like bright colors. It was yeah. desaturated, and muted. So I think Carpenter says at one point it's like a it's, this is supposed to seem like a black and white movie, but that was like in color. Hmm. Whenever there was a color on the screen that was emitted by the lighting, you could see it right away. Mm-hmm. Like the blues, you'll see blue, you'll see green every now and then, little accents. I like the. Um, it was anamorphic lenses, of course. Had the anamorphic. You could tell when Kurt Russell, when his character is shining the his uh, light bulb, his uh, flashlight. Got the streaks, the anamorphic streaks. Got the mm-hmm. wide screen. Got the top black and white panels at the top and bottom of the screen. And also like the music. Like the music sets like this ominous vibe. Soon as it kind of starts, like the music score is like, oh man, this is. It's appropriate. You don't really think about it, but it's like playing in the background of your brain. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's well done. What I also appreciated about the film that you don't, I have not seen in a lot of films. Mm-hmm. Maybe older films like in the 40s or 50s, the kind of the, you have the dissolve where time mm-hmm. kind of lapses. Ah, uh, yeah. This film wasn't afraid to do that and to, and to, and to leave you to wonder. Like when, when the dog is coming down the hallway. Yeah. And he stops and he looks in one room. Mm-hmm. And the dog, the dog's performance in this, like, oh, impresses yeah, I the agree. heck out of me. I'm the dog like, is a great actor. Come. Yeah, man. It just is, here's this timing. I'm like, <laughs> good job, dog. Because it, it opens up with the dog just, like, just leaping over all the snow. Like, man, he's not tired. He's not going to stop or anything. He just keeps going. Just going, man. But when he walks down that hallway and there's, and there's, a, there's a room to his right mm-hmm. and he stops and he kind of looks inside and this is all like, you know, this is one take and he and he comes out. He doesn't go all the way in the room. He just stops mm-hmm. and looks and then he goes to the next room with the, with the light on and you can just see the silhouette of um, one of the other uh, characters. It is uh, Clark. Mm-hmm. You see his silhouette, and you see the dog stop at the door, and then go inside, and then it, and it just fades. Yeah, it's and so black. that right there is the beginning of of a setup of a, of a potential fake out. Like you don't know what okay what what happens, and initially you don't think it's like that big of a deal because you see that Clark is a is a is an animal lover. Yeah, um, and at times he he tries to defend the animals, and um, yeah, it's just. It does that multiple times in the film where it kind of just fades. You know some time has passed, but it's not afraid to do that. And I, I applaud the movie for that. And part of like the style, uh, going back to that shot, is that like uh, Carpenter did a lot of dolly back shots. So the character is coming towards us. And mm-hmm. we that dog walking. And, he, and John Carpenter says like the dog isn't looking at the camera lens. He's not looking at the director. I'm like, that is a good actor. Yeah. He's walking towards us, avoiding eye contact with the lens, ducks his head down for a second, and then goes into the room like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's intelligent. Yeah, I'm like, what? Who is this dog? <laughs> <laughs> his, uh, I think his, actually he's in the IMDb. Uh, Jed, apparently, is, the, is the, the dog's name. The dog is on point. Yeah, Jed, Jed is taking, blocking down. He was taking care of business. He was taking, and just doing a shot, and there was shots of when they're discovering the alien for the first time, or the, the alien base, you know, the character is walking towards us, and we're just kind of dollying back with him, like basically discovering things and reading the actor's face to kind of see how we should feel. They talked, oh, I think they talked about at one point also, I don't think I don't remember if it was dollying or not, but they were they were they were they panned one way and then mm-hmm. panned right back 
the next one. So when somebody was like coming out of part of the base into the snow, mm-hmm. had a conversation, and they it was a I don't know, it was like tracking per se, but then mm-hmm. they, and they went right back the other other way. I so like you that. could kind of just follow them right back, right back to that same same <laughs> path. Yeah. Well, some of these older movies, every shot is like thought out a little bit more. You know, and and you're very intentional these days. Since we're shooting on digital, sometimes you can see people just like overshoot, 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 hmm. because they know they're going to get several angles of the same shot over and over again. Whereas, you know, you probably deal with one camera, these long lenses, and uh, they did a lot of storyboards. Um, and in the in the uh, special features, you can actually see a slideshow of all these storyboards. Hmm. And like shot for shot, you know, you can see like the helicopter shot with both of the pilots in there. They they drew that out, and you can actually see that shot. So yeah, you can. You, they spend a little bit more time on their shots. It might it might last fifteen seconds longer than you would expect. So the time is a little it makes you hang out a little bit longer with these people. Yeah. Do you have any quotes? Got just a few quotes. Um, so towards the about three fourths the way. When um when Hallahan mm-hmm. when Hallahan is on the table and it's right after McReady has, has hit him with the with the flamethrower after mm-hmm. his stomach is opened up and Yikes. bitten off the other doctor's hands, it's mm-hmm. after his head separates Yikes. onto the ground and, and sprouts legs and is like uh, even though McReady's burning up the body, they don't realize that the head has come off and is crawling away. One of the guys turns around. He turns around and he looks and he sees this head with <laughs> spider legs coming out. And he's like, you got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> just his delivery of that line is just so spot on. Um, one of my quotes, uh, well, you already had said one was the trust in the Lord when Kurt Russell's character is talking to Blair. But uh, another uh, quote is um, Childs played by Keith David. You know, he's they're all tied up because they're uh, Kurt Russell's character is doing a test on their blood to see mm-hmm. if who's infected with this parasite. And then when it comes down, there's two people left. It's uh, Childs and the general. Is he a general or he's something military, I think. Yeah, t- Maloney. Maloney. Right, Maloney. And they're tied up. And then once he, uh, once a child. No, Moffat. I'm Moffitt, sorry. Moffat. Once Childs realizes yeah. that he's not no longer, you know, in danger or he's not infected. Let cut me loose. Damn it. Come on. <laughs> like people are like losing it. These guys are losing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so and then so my my other quote literally right after that, after yeah. they they test uh, Moffat's blood. Yeah. And he's like. I, look, I, I know you men are busy, but if it's not too much trouble, I'd rather not spend the winter tied to this effing couch. He just, <laughs> he just slowly ramps up his frustration and just explodes on them. Trivia. The opening scene was shot in Alaska. Hmm? Yes. Uh, and again, as we mentioned before, this is um, previously based on a short story in an adapted film. Uh, and Kurt Russell took a year. To grow his beard. Oh, because he was coming out of Escape from New York. Yeah. And this was his second collaboration with John Carpenter. Good stuff. Uh, they would have several. Yes. Including Trouble in Little China. Ah, there you go. Carbopole. Carbopole is a mixture that holds Twinkies together, according to John Carpenter. And that was a liquid that they sprayed on the dog when um, that canine went to erupts. And it it's the it, the thing. I mean, it's the thing, thing. <laughs> and it's <started laughs> it's like you can't even name what this is like the thing alien the thing. alien alien 
squirts his liquid at the dog, and the dog, like, I don't know what's happening to the dog. Is it, like, eating up its fur and skin or whatever? It's pretty bad. It's pretty gross. Those dogs' reaction in that scene is like, ah, it's kind of, ooh. Yeah, it's messed up. Yeah, but it's called Carbopole. That's the Twinkie filling? Yeah, it's a mix. It's like a, it's a clear liquid. But it holds the Twinkies together like the little cream stuff. After you said that, I'm like, I'm not going to eat that again. That's going to really, yeah. I don't know if I'll ever see Twinkies the same way again now. I'm like, oh, man. Carbopole. C-A-R-B-O-P-O-L. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Yeah, that's so gross. Man. Like when you eat a Twinkie, it kind of already tastes kind of chemically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's already got that chemical chemistry set taste. Yeah. But now, no. But a Twinkie ain't the right time is is when is kid, the right time as a kid Twinkies were delicious. <laughs> now they're devilishly alien. Yeah, man. No, no, no. Uh, there was an active choice made to not have any women in the movie. Wow. It was somewhat controversial. They actually caught some flack in some of their reviews, but they made a conscious choice to to just uh, have these men isolated. Well, I wonder what the reason was. I believe it had just been a while uh, since they'd had a film where it was just men. Um, these guys isolated and, and having to, to deal with those deal with those dynamics just being men. Okay. You know, not, not having any, any women present. So there's no, in this in regards, there's no romantic relationship going on. It's just, hey, we're here. We've got jobs to do. We, you know, we, we, for the most part, get along. But, yeah, what happens when, when trust is hard to come by? Any more trivia? Keith David actually broke his hand Jeez. during the film, and he had to actually wear a uh, a big black. It was a glove they it was painted. A glove, black. yeah. <laughs> it was a it was a glove that they they painted, you know, to it's a black hand, <laughs> not black face, just black hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever they they show images of people like uh, drawing blood, that's actually a cameraman's arm that they're using. A guy who. Frequently volunteered and he was apparently oh, really right. okay with it. And they, it was the way, funny when they said j- jokes with that. Yeah, the way Is Carpenter. Now? <laughs> yeah, for real. The way <laughs> Carpenter and uh, Kurt Russell joke about it, like this guy, yeah, apparently liked anything that involved needles. So <laughs> take that as you will. Um, I like old commentaries because they just let it all hang out. They just, just like the jokes it, are out there. Oh, we had a good time. We can't talk about it. Oh, man, for real. Yeah, they, they made it sound like they had a really, really good time. Uh, and they, they they said they actually enjoyed bonding mm-hmm. uh, just in that time of that selection. The, the cast and crew, like everybody really, really bonded. Oh, the scene where, where Kurt throws the dynamite. He was almost too close because when it explodes, it like you, his hair kind of, yeah, it, it, it almost got him. He almost didn't throw it far enough. Wow. And uh, yeah, it rattled him a little bit. Kurt he, is uh, he he's a good sport because he grew up a movie person, a movie kid. You know, he could do a lot of the stunts. We we find this out in the movie uh, Death Proof because, you know, Quentin Tarantino, him playing stuntman Mike. He just grew up, you know, jumping on horses, falling off and doing all these falls and things like that. So let's throw the dynamite. It just seems like that's something he's going to do. Boom goes the dynamite. He said, I got lucky. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. I got lucky. I got Somebody lucky. else could be like, hey, John, you almost got me killed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Courage is like, yeah, it's a day in the life. I got lucky. That's what he said. Day in the life. <laughs> um, they also used, of course, uh, being this is the 80s, uh, there was an 
art form back then to uh, use painted backdrops. And there are definitely yeah. some pretty big, there's a pretty big painted backdrop. Mm-hmm. There's a whole process. Actually, in one of the documentaries, the guy who did those, he kind of really kind of breaks down the process of how how that was done. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating to see. And, and the miniatures they made. Yeah. They made some elaborate miniatures, especially mm-hmm. at the, the end when that creature is burrowing through the ground. Yeah. Like that was like a miniature set and they had like a ball tied to a, a rope that they That's were pulling dope. it. Yeah, to, to that was good. To buckle up and go. It's yeah, That it's, was very effective. Yeah. I couldn't tell. It's the, the the lady who made the miniatures, she is like insanely detailed. She said, we don't, she goes, some people will just kind of give you the gist that I believe that the miniature set needs to be like 100% like the real set. Yeah. And I mean, even from like the barrels that were there, it, it was just perfect. Man. And they actually used a, some claymation, not claymation, some stop effect animation. Ah, uh, stop motion. Yeah, stop mm-hmm. motion for the very end. Mm-hmm. But Carpenter didn't like how it uh, how it turned out, so they only used they used very very little of it towards the end. But there was a whole scene that had been worked out for when uh, when Brimley transforms, and you see the and you see the the monster. And uh. His his head on there was really like more defined. You really you could really tell mm-hmm. it was him partially transformed. Gross. Whereas with what they used, it was really it was really tougher to tell. But, yeah, yeah, I'm not really a fan of the stop motion unless like the whole film is a stop motion film. Yeah, because your your eyes can see it right away. Oh yeah, it does not it doesn't hold up well. Uh, it really doesn't. It has its own unique way of moving and <laughs> its own look. Yeah, you know the lighting around it all changes pretty substantially. Yep. And and uh, yeah, but if you want to watch a uh, what is a stop motion film? You can watch Wes Anderson. Yes. <laughs> what Fantastic Fox? Uh, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, uh, there's some other stuff he's. Yeah, done. that was that's that was a that was an enjoyable film. It's a movie around the fall. Favorite scenes? Again, dropping the grenade at the beginning and <laughs> falling onto it. That just <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but it it just makes me laugh every time I see it. Every time I think about it. Not necessarily favorite scene, but just favorite shot is uh, um, there's a camera that's mounted to the helicopter and is by he used a car mount to, to mount it to the helicopter. Just a unique perspective. And with with uh, John Carpenter, the thing I like about him, he he tries to push his you know artistic abilities and try to do things differently. So I like he could have just stayed in the helicopter. But you know what? Let's keep it on the outside right on on the edge. One of my other favorite scenes, just the chest cavity bursting open. And then gripping the guy's arms and ripping them off. Man, that that's was crazy. A, that, that made me jump. Dude, I, <laughs> yep, same here. I remember when I was watching, I'd seen it before. And yeah. I watched the second time, I was like, oh, because The timing the re- makes you jump because the timing is right. Like yeah. right when he's he's pumping, he's, um, what is it called, reviving the guy because he had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. So we think. <laughs> so, he's, so he's pumping him like, boom, one, two, boom. He's doing the whole rhythm thing. So when he goes, Boom, and then he goes back in. As soon as he goes in, it crabs. It's like interception. It like intercepted his arms. Man. <laughs> He's like, ah, blood squirting everywhere. It's perfect. And so in that scene, they actually uh, hired a guy who mm-hmm. literally had lost his arms. Oh. And they actually, they did a, a, a prosthetic mask of the other actor, put it on the guy um, to have him do, That's to do that scene. So he would, so he would pull away when they cut back to him. He was pulling away. It was a guy blood. with no. Arms. Yeah, a guy with no arms. Yeah. Yeah, man. Perfect. They, they in the in that first in the documentary that I watched, they that whole scene, man, like it was, 
it was dangerous. Like the whole, like that whole setup, it was dangerous. Like stuff, really, yeah, stuff caught fire multiple times, and it, and they were using a <laughs> real flamethrower. Yeah, they had to work really hard. At one point, something exploded. Like well, I think, I think that body exploded at one point because they didn't <laughs> whatever they used to uh, open it up. Well, whatever they used to make the to make the goo for the head to like uh, separate from the body, yeah, that stuff they it was some stuff they kind of hodgepodge together and they oh. found it was extremely flammable. Wow! And so, no. yeah, man. One of my favorite scenes is is when McReady is talking to Blair and, and Blair is trying to convince him that he's ready to come back inside. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm fine. I want to come back inside. I'm like, oh. Man, nope, <laughs> not today. Yeah, you're an alien, <laughs> right? You ain't right. And here's the thing: like throughout, like initially throughout, I don't suspect Blair. I thought he just gone crazy because he found out the truth, right? And that he's like he's mm-hmm. trying to sabotage everything so that they can't get out, so that whoever is the thing can't yeah. get out. And then it turns out to be like he's the one. You're like, what? You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's building a spaceship at the bottom. Yeah, man. Like, where you going? <laughs> That's that's pretty. I don't know. I thought that was that was a cool twist. Yeah, it's one of those films that you have to go back and then you get more out of it. Because I got more out of it uh, watching the commentary, going back and looking at it, like seeing the dog creep in and all that. I was like, wait a second, they're transforming people from the beginning. For Everybody real. is anybody could be. And basically, uh, Blair, when he's looking on his computer and saying seventy five percent chance of people being infected, and basically everybody in the whole world is going to be infected by this thing. Yeah, like. So with that setup, that means everybody's basically doomed on that little Antarctica base. Yeah, there's no way, and there's no way to there's no way to be sure, you know. And that's why I mean that ending is, you know, it, it, it's key. Uh, the the blood test, the blood mm-hmm. test scene, the mm-hmm. tension within that, I think is really well done. Yeah, because you you just don't know, and then when it finally that's another thing that made me jump when the when finally he does do it and it the blood jumps out. You're like whoa, because it's so quick. It that yeah, that blood like screaming, <laughs> and it's and it's smart too. Like, oh, and it's smart too because you're like, oh yeah, this thing is like every part of it is living, yeah. it is adaptable. So why wouldn't Yikes. all parts of it fight? Yeah, uh, and in that process, understanding that. Yeah, he kind of killed two innocent people as well. Like, ooh, collateral damage. My bad. Friendly fire. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't be trying to get me. Right. He warned people. He warned them. Later to be on, fair. Uh, he Later on, he was really, yeah, about, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Because they locked him outside. And he was That's like, true. Step back. Then he cocks it back. That's true. He, he did warn them. I ain't serious. Clark, Clark tried and he got, man, he got murked. <laughs> <laughs> Right in shot. the face. It's like the second person to get shot in the face. Like, Dude, protect your neck. <laughs> <laughs> we splitting wigs over here. The brothers last a little bit longer in this film. Hey. <laughs> yeah, man. And even like TK, I mean, he died like just within a big explosion. From my understanding, within that big explosion. I'm like, yeah. well, you know what? Yeah, it was towards the end. You know, and it Third wasn't act. just him. Yeah, I was like, you know what? That That's admirable. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. yeah, you know what? You did your thing. You did your thing. Because Kurt Russell could have just shot one of those guys in the face like our guy from uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Man, for real. <laughs> Shooting brothers in the face. Yeah, man. Like, John did, he did he did well by the brothers in this one. Yeah. The fact that he had two brothers there in the first place, I was like, 82. Hey, okay. okay. We got TK and we got our man Keith David. Yep. Okay. Let's get it. And I thought just the explosion at the end was really was a really, really good explosion. I've seen a lot of movie explosions, but man, and they really did 
like blow this that place all up. All practical. Yeah. I that's what I really appreciate. It's all practical. They're really blowing up, and people could die for real. Yeah, and uh, and you can see it. You, the CGI stuff now is like you kind of know, uh, but when pe- when things are really blowing up, you feel like uh, inherent danger. Kind of like oh, this, yeah, man. It's a movie. It's, it's yeah, magical. You blew that place up. Tropes. What you got for tropes? Monster in the house. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I guess technically could have been a theme, I guess, also. But Monster in the House and uh, like the, 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 the and the loner forced to to take lead. Who? The loner. Like the lone uh, person. Because, I mean, Kurt it. Russell's character, McReady, he's a loner. You know, I mean, yeah. he's there playing chess by himself. He's and, like a borderline alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's forced to step up and kind of just take, take lead of it all. Yeah. So. Tropes, people. They <laughs> exist. Yeah. Now it's time for filmmaking tips. I do not have that many. There wasn't really that many filmmaking tips, but I would say check out the special features because there is a lot of information there that you may not get in the commentary. But man, you're definitely in the behind the scenes stuff. Oh man, yeah, that first documentary alone, man, it's it dives so deep. Even how they made the the, the title credits, like yeah. what the guy uses, like like a garbage bag or something like that. Really, and he cut out the letters and used the garbage bag and then set set it on fire so it kind of burns away and then there's lighting set up behind it. it I like it. Yeah. So creativity. Yes sir. And with all our inform like with everything we have now, you can just replicate all this stuff easily. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing about shooting anything at those times was just film was so expensive. Sure. Uh, some of those visual effects though, the practical effects You like can do a gar- you can set a garbage bag on fire. Well, yes, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you that. But like the molds of people's faces, I, yeah. I guess you could three D print though now. And three D printing mm-hmm. is 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 that cost even the significantly uh, it, uh, the mixture that you put the mold on someone's on um, someone's face that could be done at home. Yeah, there's books on practical effects on how to do that, peel the mold and all that. But you you do need some craftsmanship to paint. <laughs> some skills. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you know, you could probably hire get a free a freelancer. <laughs> You could probably do like some easy special effects, like for example, when they're um, cutting the blood, you know, drawing blood. It's yeah, just a plastic a bag little, on the other that's side. That's all it is. That still makes like that's like said, a magician. Yeah, that still makes me cringe though, man. Like just like like just special the, the, effect. It's done well. Like, yeah, because yeah, it's like because he's like that guy's gouging. He's getting like I'm gonna get in that thing. with a scalpel. Give me that blood, man. Yeah. Like, you need stitches after that one for real. I'm like, hey, bro. <laughs> I'm just gonna squirt a little in there. Oh, okay. Um, tips. <laughs> tips. Uh, so there was something called um, a lens called a split di- diopter. It's a shot where there's a character in the foreground, and I can't think of the character's name, but he's working on like how they're going to get out of this mess, doing research and stuff like that. He's in the foreground, and he's in focus facing us like from like waist up. And then in the background, about maybe 25, 30 meters away, we see uh, Kurt Russell's character kind of walk by in the in the doorway he's in focus too yeah so the split diop- diopter allows you to shoot both of these people at the same time and they're one in the way in the background one in the foreground they're both in focus but there's like a cut in the in the lens so because there's a cut in the lens you have to cover that some kind of way so in that scene you see that that where the lens will be cut it's like all dark there so there's nothing there and it's completely black fascinating yeah, but lens diopter, mm, split diopter, split diopter. Um, you can break out of the norm. What Chris, excuse me, what John Carpenter 
wanted to do with the monster in this film is that he didn't want to be just a, a, a man in the suit. Mm-hmm. You can tell there's so many movies growing up in his time where the monster was some dude in a suit. Whether you talking True. King Kong or Predator. Godzilla. <laughs> even the first Alien. He said even he, as, yeah. as great as that movie is, when it boils down to it, once you see That's the true. alien, it's a guy in the suit. He yeah. didn't want that for this film. And so, yeah, it's this is anything but a guy in the suit. The way this thing manifests so many different ways. Yeah. And they made, they made mention of something either in the commentary or in the documentary that some of the crazy forms you see this thing take mm-hmm. is actually supposedly based on some of the forms that it has absorbed from other planets it's gone to. Mm. I'm like, oh, that's that's extra creepy, man. That's gross. Yeah. So, I mean, you almost could have a connected universe when you think about the, the Little Shop of Horrors aspect of things. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Be prepared, filmmaker, directors. Um, in the blood scene, when everybody, when he's doing, like, what happened to the blood? And nobody knows. Uh, John Carpenter said he didn't know what he was going to shoot, uh, how he was going to shoot that scene. And he, when he got there to shoot that scene, everybody's already there waiting on him and ready to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like the worst thing as a director because, mm-hmm. you know, you got to have the blocking ready. You got to know, you know, who you're going to shoot first. You got to have your whole thing kind of planned out. And he wasn't necessarily ready for this thing. You know, and he had, he admitted it. Like, yeah, I just wasn't prepared, you know. I've had my own experience on, on a very, very small level. From Like, I shot a music video uh, with Lauren Steele. And before shooting the music video... Did the storyboards, but used uh, pictures instead of actually drawing. Just had a model take pictures. I knew what location I was going to be at. We did everything, storyboarded it, wrote it out. So on the day of, when it came time to shoot, it was just a breeze. It was, I already knew what I was going to do. But on um, shooting the Lamar Strait video, the Tonight video, half of the stuff I already knew what I was going to shoot, but the other half I didn't because we were going to have to steal some shots sure. in, in downtown Dallas. And when you don't know, your crew is kind of looking like, hmm. Side so, eye. yeah, just, they're looking to see, but you got to play it off and be like, all right, we're just going to shoot a couple of these scenes. And mm. while these scenes are being shot, your brain is thinking about, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over there. Yeah. Look. Over there. I was thinking about this the whole time. <laughs> Dodge another one. <laughs> Tricked him again. Good job, brain. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's good though. Uh, <laughs> when it's super cold weather, sometimes you might have to leave your equipment outside. They mentioned with some of the cameras, uh, they had to leave them outside. Yeah, the lenses, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so the lenses wouldn't uh, potentially come back inside and it maybe heat up, expand, and yep. crack that glass. Yeah, they'll fog up badly, man. Just even not not even in shooting in Alaska, but uh, just with the little weather changes we have in in Texas. It um yeah you can't, stuff will be fogged you'll be in one temperature and you come out and it just stays fogged yeah that uh, condensation shot, gets trapped yeah, inside yeah you shoot weddings and the AC the, the lenses have gotten used to being inside and then you go outside and it's humid it's hot and they just start fogging up like man you can't wipe it off in enough time <laughs> to get the shot dang yeah that happens quite a bit somebody should invent something about to do something about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, any more filmmaking tips? Uh, there's two more. Um, well, one maybe is maybe trivia than tips. But no, it's a tip. So if you're going to have practical explosions, uh, potentially set up remote cameras to capture the explosions from uh, a safe distance. So those final explosions, they had remote cameras set up to uh, capture them so nobody was mm. 
down in the midst and, and, and in danger. Just from a collaboration standpoint, Kurt Russell actually came up, helped come up with the with the end, uh, the end of the film. So yeah, so work with your actors okay. uh, and collaborate. There was it seemed like Carpenter collaborated with uh, with Kurt a couple times yeah. uh, on this film, but yeah, with that ending, that was you know Carpenter gives gives Kurt Russell credit for uh, helping come up with it. And uh, interesting, yeah. So what are we doing next time? What are we watching next time? We will be diving into Michael Mann's. Heat, starring Al Pacino, Val Kilmore, um, and where can they catch us? You can find us at facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary. You can also like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Uh, we have some playlists available. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find some of the uh, the horror movies that we covered. Uh, last year on Filmmaker Commentary. There's some good ones up there. If you have a, a film or a movie that you would like us to check out, um, definitely send it our way. And number one, please make sure that it has commentary. And you can do that uh, on Instagram. Uh, you can find us there at Filmmaker Commentary. You can reach Reginald Titus Jr. on Twitter at Reggie Titus, on Instagram at Reginald Titus Jr. That's J-R. And you can also find me on both Twitter and Instagram simply at KCG Smith 32 and until next time peace respect Respect.